was in Coles the other morning, and I've got to say, it's inspiring to see how the elderly community is really banding together to look after each other, you know? Helping each other get groceries and shit. <laughs> I never thought I'd struggle to beat elderly people to death for a roll of toilet paper, but here we are, strange times. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is a weird like, time I mean, in the world. struggle to beat them to death. Like, there were so many of them, it was just like <laughs> punching a mattress. You know? Too many corpses. Yeah, too many. Yeah. Uh, uh, clean, hello though. and welcome to your favourite podcast, Brad is a Bad Person. My name is Morgan, I am a Libra, and I am joined as always by Lachlan. Ahoy hoy. Who is a Virgo and Brad. Hello. Who is a Sagittarius, believe it or not. Uh, today <laughs> we're getting wild and doing, and doing the next instalment of our wild card series. For those of you new to the podcast, strap yourselves in. We're going to each be talking about something totally random and completely unrelated to each other. None of us know what the others are going to talk about, and we can do uh, anything with our allotted time, from playing an extended Would You Rather to reading a disgusting story that one of the other members threatens to quit over if it makes it into the final cut. So, let's get wild. <laughs> Still happy to release that story if anyone actually asks me. How are we today, cunts? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm okay, and I'm just realising now that I don't have the wild card sounder queued up. So, I oh have, no, I've uh, failed us all. <laughs> Bet the audience wasn't expecting that, though. Yeah. Wow, that's right. That's a real wild card play. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to talk for long enough until I've given myself time to queue it up. Wild card, <laughs> bitches! Yeah! Real wild card move from stall. me there. Yeah, that's some pro stalling right there. Yeah, that was brilliant, Lachlan. Um, all right, so Lachlan, do you want to get us rolling today by cracking open a cold one with the boys? It's time to crack open a cold one with the boys. Now, this, of course, is a continuation of the game that I have been playing sent in to us by listener Nick. Um, and honestly, the timing could not have been better because this is a real wild card drink of a, 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 a <laughs> yeah, choice of a drink. Um, so last week, obviously, I rolled a two, which is stout with a shot of vodka in it, which is really <laughs> fucking weird. And I'm a little bit scared. So I have a Guinness, uh, which I have reviewed on the show before. Uh, loyal listeners will remember. Uh, and I also mm. have a shot of vodka here. So I'm going to crack the Guinness. Oh. Some... He should have cracked it like five minutes ago. Guinness <laughs> needs time to settle. Needs to crack. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to enjoy it regardless. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I've, uh... I've poured it into a glass because it's going to be difficult to tip a shot of vodka into the mouth of a can. Uh, all right, I'm going to now drop in, or not drop in. I'm going to pour it in. I don't want to make Are you a mess. Do it like this. a Jaeger bomb, like you drop it in and then scull oh, it. Oh, good god, no way! I'm not sculling this. Yes, Fuck that. please yeah, do, do it. it. Do no, it. Do I it. just tipped no it in. Balls. I don't want to make a mess, and uh, I'm pretty sure this is going to suck. But here we go. Of course it is. Oh, good god! <laughs> oh. That good, eh? <laughs> It's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> An unsettled Guinness with a shot of vodka in it. It just it sounds so good. I'm just very surprised. Uh, all right, let's roll the dice for next week because we're going to keep going until <laughs> I get through all six of these. I hope you get a two again. It's a five, <laughs> which is 
a Desperado. Never heard of it, but I uh, look forward to giving it a go. You're going to break quarantine to go and buy one of them? Oh, I'm going to have to. All right. Um, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to go first in our wildcard episode tonight, and this one is appropriately wild. So, Lachlan, can you get us started by playing that first sound or say? Be warned. I will die for these animals. I will die for these animals. I will die for these animals. Thank you so much for letting me do this. Thank you so much for, for, for these animals, for, for giving me a life. I had no life. Now I have a life. Okay, so the man there is Timothy Treadwell, and the animals he is talking about are the Alaskan grizzly bears in Katmai National Park. That was a man? Yeah, that sounded like yeah. a woman. So he, said, he says he will die for the bears, and the bears gave him a life. Well, ironically, he did die for the bears, so they also took away his life. <laughs> Shocker. Timothy Treadwell was an alcoholic and drug addict who couldn't keep clean. He grew up in Florida before moving to California as a 20-year-old, but like many men, he didn't find his passion in life until he finished his 20s. After that, he spent 13 consecutive summers in Katmai National Park in Alaska, living among the grizzly bears under what he saw as a protection and education mission. He was there to protect them from poachers and people who would do them harm, but also to study the bears taking photos and videos that he could spend the other nine months of the year teaching everybody who would listen about the bears. But he was under no illusion that these animals were exceptionally dangerous. Lachlan? But let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there is no, no, no other place in the world that is more dangerous, more exciting than the grizzly maze. Come here and camp here. Come here and try to do what I do. You will die. You will die here. You will (laughs) freaking die here. They will get you. Pretty passionate man. <laughs> yeah, but he seems to think somehow that he was immune. Welcome. And that these bears can bite. They can kill. And if I am weak, I go down. I love them with all my heart. I will protect them. I will die for them. But I will not die at their claws and paws. <laughs> Spoiler uh... alert. So he did die at their claws and paws. But... um. <laughs> the uh, there are two particularly sad things about timothy's death so one is that his girlfriend amy was actually accompanying him that summer and she was also eaten by the same bear the second is that the two bears um that two bears were shot and killed when people came to recover recover timothy and amy's bodies so timothy was trying to protect the bears from poachers but there hadn't been a known poaching incident in the area in over 20 years so his presence there for those 13 years, ironically, ended up killing two bears, while presumably saving none. <laughs> so, I watched a documentary film about this guy, um, meaning that this segment is basically an extended Morgan's movie review coming back from hiatus. Luckily, oh, play yeah. the sounder. Morgan! 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 Morgan's movie review. Timothy was a weird cat, the perfect subject and story for a wild documentary, and who better to do it than an eccentric and acclaimed filmmaker, Werner Herzog. Wow. Timothy co-founded a group called Grizzly People with his good friend Jewel Pavelak, and after his death, she became the owner of about 100 hours of footage that Timothy shot while out in Katmai National Park. And it seems that footage was mostly made up of Timothy talking to the camera and shots of bears. Herzog convinced her to let him use that footage to create a documentary, and the 2005 film Grizzly Man is the result. Have either of you guys seen this movie? I have seen Grizzly Man, yep. 
Haven't even heard of it. Brad, Brad, you and I have talked about Timothy Treadwell yes. in the past. Mm. Um, he did not tread well. Yeah, well, you, <laughs> you actually told me about him and I didn't know anything about him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've watched this documentary in the meantime. So, you've seen this, bro? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, I'll be interested uh, to get... Yeah, it's... it's. Yeah, so it's a weird film. It's not yep. your typical documentary. Werner Herzog actually keeps interjecting with his own opinion. You know, he psychoanalyzes Tim and he compliments Timothy's filmmaking... But he also disagrees with his opinions about bears and nature. So that Tim is will say the something to the camera. Opposite of what a documentarian should be doing. <laughs> <laughs> Tim will say something about the na- nature or the bears or something like that, and Herzog will just jump in with something that's like completely, you know, contrary to that. So there are times when Tim's talking about like the harmony of nature and things like that, and there's a point where um, Werner Herzog says. I believe the common denominator of the universe is not harmony, but chaos, hostility, and murder. Tim's <laughs> talking about Christ. how like the, the, there's like this harmonious, balanced nature, and it's all really nice. And then Herzog is just like, "Nah, he's totally wrong because this is what's really going on." <laughs> so it's just it's fucking weird. Like he just mm. puts his own opinion in there. Um, anyway, Timothy is obviously a strange guy, but Herzog is a strange dude himself. You've got an eccentric guy making a film about an eccentric guy who was filming bears for 13 years. So it's a wild ride of a movie, and (laughs) the result is very unsettling. Um, The whole thing is really weird, actually. So the footage from Timothy, the interviews, the narration, even the way it's all put together, it's all very strange. So I'll first talk about the interviews. So Werner Herzog talked uh, to a lot of people in this movie. He talked to a bear biologist. He talked to the two pilots who recovered Timothy's body and Amy's body. He talked to a couple of friends or three friends of Timothy. He talked to the coroner who worked on their remains and uh, a museum director as well. But all the interviews seem like a person is delivering a monologue in a scripted movie. One of the pirates... uh, (laughs) 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 He was torn the fuck up. One of the pilots, Sam Egley, and the museum director, for sure, they seem like it's scripted, but they give at least a convincing performance. But Julie Pavlak, his friend, she's way overacting in the movie. And, you know, especially the coroner as well, and one of his other friends, Warren Queedy, who was actually an actor himself. So, it's my personal belief, this is what I think, guys, that Herzog is actually trolling us. He's making it obvious that the interviews were contrived and forcing us to realise that it was either scripted for the person or maybe if it was written by the person, he made them film it so many times that the words lost their authenticity. And I have a theory as to why Herzog is doing that, which I'll get to later. Why he's making this movie so on the nose. But first, here is an example of one of the pilots who recovered Tim's corpse. <laughs> Brilliant, Tommy. Rats and mice have hooked sperm that can daisy chain together to help them swim faster. <laughs> oh, what the fuck? Oh, my God. Do without what you will. He got what he was asking for. He got what he deserved, in my opinion. The tragedy of it was taking the girl with him. I think the only reason that Treadwell lasted as long in the game as he did was that the bears 
probably thought there was something wrong with him, <laughs> like he was mentally retarded or something. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So this guy just totally roasts a dead person who's yeah. only been dead for less than a year. So I, I just I'm Body's not really not sure that, that was yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure that was an authentic interview, but it did make me burst out laughing. I couldn't believe that he actually said that about a dead person. Yeah. Yeah. Um but then Tim's friend, uh Jewel Palavac, um, you know, Herzog could have made her interview seem more real, but he actually decided to leave in the parts that showed how contrived it was. So, for example, she's sitting at the table with the coroner, having a very awkward and unnatural conversation, which just ends. And then her and the coroner just start looking around as if they don't know what to do next. So then Herzog, behind the camera, walks closer to Jewel, and when he gets close to her, she just looks straight down the camera and delivers a line spontaneously without being prompted with a lot of passion and emotion. It's really a weird thing to say. Then there's a similar thing when he asks her about Amy. He asks her the question, and she's looking at him, while he asks the question, but then she immediately looks down the camera, takes a couple of seconds to compose herself, and then starts speaking with a lot of emotion in a totally unnatural way. She's not saying like, oh, Amy, yeah, you know, I loved Amy and she was really nice and she didn't get, you know, she didn't deserve what happened. You know, instead, it seems really scripted. So, Lachlan, can you play that one? Can you speak about Amy? Amy was brave and Amy was strong. Amy was my friend, and she was Timothy's friend. She was his girlfriend, but most important, she was his friend. All right, so it sounds very strange, and I don't think mm. she thought of that answer on the spot. I think it's, it's really obvious. And she didn't respond to Herzog, the person who was asking her the question. She took the question from him, looking at him, and then answered it to the camera. So she must have been directed to do that. It was a very odd scene, and it was early on in the movie, and it was the first time I was like, there's something fucky going on here. <laughs> Something very okay. weird about it. Um, the coroner, in his uh, main interview, he's opening a metal container, which is clearly heavy, while talking to the camera, and he keeps slapping the container. It's really unnatural, like a bad monologue you'd see in a crappy play. Then he delivers this speech about examining Timothy and Amy's remains. But after each sentence, the shot changes. So either he or the camera or both move meaning that there are changes in the physical location of the shots, so he couldn't have been talking that whole time. He would have had to break and then begin talking again, even oh. though the speech actually flows like it's one take. The content of the speech is like a one-take speech. So I watched, it, I watched it very carefully a few times. There are exactly six cuts in his three-minute speech, and for the sixth shot, the camera is actually moving around him, and he follows it, turning his body and never breaking eye contact with the camera. That's really weird for, a, for something like um, off the cuff and, and unscripted. Yeah, for a documentary. And he, he keeps staring down the camera with these super wide eyes. Like he's delivering, you know, his interview to the camera. I was talking to Shannon about this. And when you watch an interview in a documentary, usually they're like sitting in a chair and they're probably looking across the camera to somebody off screen. And it seems yeah. like very relaxed and natural but this guy's like in his office where he does the coroner work and it keeps changing the shots and he's standing next to the bed where he worked them worked on them and it just like the camera keeps cutting so it's really strange yeah that sounds Um, bizarre yeah so i think herzog did this intentionally to show us that there was obvious direction here because even if it was this guy's own words unedited which i doubt he was still instructed how to deliver those lines and made to deliver them multiple times from multiple locations mm. and multiple angles. Um, yeah, so in the end, it seems like he's doing like the 10th take of an interview. 
um, when he said these things. So the real emotion has been stripped from what he said and it's just somebody doing a bad acting job. Because he's talking about really intense things, but it just seems like he's not actually feeling it. Yeah. He's just giving it like, yeah. He is a coroner though. So exactly the most. (laughs) Yeah, he's probably uh, a weird dude already. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Herzog took advantage of that and he was just like, you got some crazy eyes. Why don't you just stare wide at the camera? Maybe it was all the coroner's idea. Maybe he was directing uh, Werner Herzog. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I'm going to say my speech 15 times and you just shoot it from different angles, okay? Oh, I Cut want it to look cool. Yeah. As many jump cuts as you can get. Star wipes. <laughs> yeah, it was It was almost like watching one of those videos from a YouTuber who just cuts out like every pause. Yeah. And there's just like a little cut every now, like every yeah. five seconds, there's like a cut. Yeah. Um, but the whole, the whole documentary, actually, it felt like watching one of those recreation shows, you know, like Operation Repo, Repo or Mystery Diners. Mm. Yeah. You know, or like... Or like um, certain segments on those um, porn shows, you know, like hardcore porn or porn stars. Yeah, yeah where they like, where they try to make passwords dramatization. But, yeah, yeah, but they put yeah, a little clear- disclaimer at the yeah. start, it's like the events are depictions, not the actual event. Yeah, and it's clear that they're like they came to porn this another time, and they're like refilming it or something like that yeah. for the cameras. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I said before that the whole film was very unsettling, including Timothy's footage. So. Much of Timothy's footage was him talking to the camera, saying these really intense things and trying to be profound, speaking really quickly. It's clear that he films himself saying the same thing over and over again until he's happy with it, and Werner Herzog actually shows Timothy doing several takes of the same shot a few different times. So Herzog lets the footage go so you can see Timothy's personal direction to himself between scenes. He's talking to himself saying things like, that was pretty shitty, let's do a really short take here, or... Let's do a couple of nice takes now. He's talking to himself. Yeah. He films yeah. the same thing like three times in a row and talks to himself between the takes. Yeah, I mean, that's what you do when you're in the middle of the world surrounded by bears. You talk to yourself. <laughs> I talk to my, I talk to myself when I'm alone all the time. Yeah. To really? be honest. Yeah, it helps me. Um, I think vocalizing things helps me Helps me think yeah. sometimes. Yeah, process it better, yeah. All right, well. We're not <laughs> all robots like you. Fucking hell, man. You probably, you probably <laughs> don't do this, though, because Timothy was actually filming B-roll type scenes when he was out there. He would set up a camera on a tripod and run through the shot like it was an action movie. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you want drama, you know. He's a big picture guy. Like He's thinking about That's how right. it's all going to come together in the editing studio, man. Yes, thirteen yeah, years well, of his life dedicated to this. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like he he would call them. He called them to the camera. He called them wild Timmy jungle scenes and said <laughs> this stuff could be cut into a show. Like if he got his own show on the Discovery Channel or something like that. Oh my god! Like he's just he's just a little bit eccentric. Give the guy a break. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's out there but, in the forest. You need to keep your mind entertained. You need your wild Timmy jungle <laughs> scenes. All right, that's right. <laughs> What made me laugh so much about this was that he um, he explained to the camera why he does three shots of each of these B-roll scenes, and mm. it's because he has three different colour bandanas, and he said he doesn't know which colour a producer might prefer. <laughs> oh, good God. Okay. <laughs> That's just crazy. Like, could you imagine a producer saying, like, ah, you're wearing a blue bandana, we can't use this. Do you have one in a black bandana? <laughs> We're actually blood affiliated, so we need you to be in the red <laughs> <bit then. laughs> Oh, shit. 
Okay. So anyway, here's my theory. We've all been waiting for it. Here it oh, comes. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, let me know what you think. So, I, Brad, you've seen this movie. So yeah, you can, I have. Yeah. You can oh, it was know. a while yeah. ago, admittedly. I didn't remember it being this batshit insane, but... It is fucking nuts. I remember the it's guy a- being fucking nuts, yes. Yeah, okay. So, I think that Werner Herzog was trying to make the whole documentary seem as bizarre and uncanny as possible on purpose. And I think I have a reason why. So, any footage of Timothy talking that Herzog picked out, he would have picked from multiple takes. Because uh-huh. Tim filmed everything a bunch of times. Uh-huh. So, I think Herzog is kind of respecting Timothy's memory, kind of doing an homage by making the parts that Herzog shot himself as bizarre and uncanny as the parts that Timothy shot. So, every scene feels a little weird, a little off, and a little scripted. Nothing in the entire uh-huh. movie seems totally authentic. Like, I think Herzog tried to film the documentary in the same style that Timothy was filming his own story. <laughs> I'd buy that. I'd also buy yep. that they're small town hicks and they just can't deliver a line properly. So wow, you have to just yeah. coach them over and some, over. And some over. people do get very <laughs> uncomfortable and stiff in front of cameras. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think when you watch it, it seems like he wants that out of the people though, because he like I don't know. You just wouldn't be satisfied with those mm. takes. You just get him to sit down in a chair, just breathe, just tell the story in your own words, so get it to be nice and stuff like that. Yeah, maybe you yeah, didn't and- see the other takes. Maybe they were so like just trash <laughs> that he was like fuck this <laughs> that was the best he had yeah that's it i don't have any more strength left in me well to to come up with this theory i did some research on Werner herzog um because it's not like i came up with this theory and then i was trying to back it up like i just did research until i came up with some reason yeah for what the fuck i just saw yeah um but anyway this guy Werner herzog he actually wrote what he called a manifesto on truth in filmmaking Mm-hmm. All right, so this is weird. He he started it off by saying, by dint of declaration, the so-called cinema verite is devoid of verite. It reaches a merely superficial truth, the truth of accountants. This guy mm-hmm. is a fucking wanker. Oh, no. <laughs> Werner Herzog is uh, he's pretty, I don't know what the word is, not badass, but he's he's pretty genuine, I think. <laughs> and well, have you he- heard his voice? Oh. No. He has got it's a good, killer good voice. voice. Um, so, Cinema Verite is like, you know, it's trying to capture things in the moment as like as authentic as possible and have people talk to the camera. It's like, you know, it's a style of documentary making where you yeah. let people speak for themselves and you just show events. And, you know, that's when you see a mockumentary, your mockumentary is usually filmed in like a mock Cinema Verite that style. style. Yeah. Like uh, The Office or Modern Family or something where. Stuff happens and then people speak to the camera about what happened oh. and stuff like that. Maths. Anyway, so then <laughs> so then Herzog says, there are deeper strata of truth in cinema and there is a, such a thing as poetic ecstatic truth. It is mysterious and elusive and can be reached only through fabrication and imagination and stylization. Yep. So, he's talking about this like, deeper- that. He's talking about this deeper truth, which you actually, he's saying you have to fabricate things. You have to imagine things and you have to stylize it in a way. Yeah. He's, he's so, flipping it on its head. He's saying by showing the genuine, you're not getting the genuine. So, you have to show the ingenuine to get the genuine. Yeah. yeah. Sounds, sounds he's, pretty yeah. wankerish to me. <laughs> nah, he's flipping it, flipping the whole thing. I can Top say some, some pseudo deep <laughs> shit and be like, man, cinema verite. <laughs> All this, yeah, yeah but fuck it, off. Listen, Brad, if you had have heard 
Werner Herzog say those things that Morgan just said, you'd believe it. No questions asked. <laughs> yeah, I might. It's I all might it's all about the delivery. His cock because he's got a great voice and he's rich, but <laughs> doesn't make what he said any less wankerish. Yeah, I you know I, I'm not sure that I agree with him, but yeah, I, I get what he's saying that like in order to actually present things in a way that is true and authentic and real, you're going to have to make some stuff up and you're going to have to fill in some details that Mm. might not come through if you just film something that's totally authentic. And, you know, you've got to kind of lead people into saying things that need to be said to get the truth out there. So, like, I kind of get what he's saying, but it it does seem like a kind of a justification for for him just going like, "Eh, I'll start with the truth and then I'll just make (laughs) stuff up so it's better. But you see the way you explain that without sounding like an absolute asshole. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. He's a very learned man, Brad. He's got a large vocabulary. Yeah. Learn how to talk to the common man, you twat. <laughs> English isn't his uh, first a- language either. So imagine how fucking um, sophisticated that would sound in German. Yeah, I know. Oh. I know. This German's a smart, but he's also a very bleak dude. Um, yeah. So actually, before I get to my reading, I'll just read this out, which I just couldn't, I just could not believe that this was in the documentary. Just before, like, he explains about Timothy's death, he's showing the bear that killed Timothy. He's got, like, uh-huh. he's, he's got the footage of, like, the bear who killed Timothy. He's close up of his face. And Werner Herzog, the narrator of the documentary, not the, you know, observer, the narrator, uh-huh. he says, what haunts me is that in all the faces of all the bears that Treadwell ever filmed, I discover no kinship, no understanding, no mercy. I see only the overwhelming indifference of nature. To me, there is no such thing as a secret world of the bears, and this blank stare speaks of only half-bored interest in food. But for Timothy Treadwell, this bear was a friend, a saviour. Oh, get shit on, Timothy. <laughs> He's got a close-up of the bear yeah. that killed Timothy, and he says yeah. that. That's just... Brutal. That's, yeah, that's pretty dark. <laughs> He's like, fuck you, Timothy. You thought this bear was your friend? Fucking hates you. <laughs> he was like, these aren't like these mystical, magical, beautiful creatures. These no. are just like Killing savage machines. animals. Yeah. And you're yeah, just but food he's to saying, them. So. He's saying that that's what Timothy was able to see in them. I think that's I think that's a nice thing to say. True. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's saying Timothy could see it a different way. Which that's maybe right. Is a that's good right. He's saying, despite the fact that I can only see them as uh, soulless killing machines... Timothy saw something different. He he saw friends in them. Yeah, but I don't think yes. he's saying it. I think he's saying it to his detriment, not to his. Well, like his, I don't like, know. Compliment. I haven't seen the documentary, so I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, no, he's sitting all over him the entire documentary. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it does really seem that way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. Anyway, my rating. So, if I just watched this movie and didn't rewatch it or do any research to try to figure out what was going on, then it would have just been a weird movie that made me feel uncomfortable. But still, obviously, an interesting subject matter. I mean, a guy living in Alaska for 13 years with the Grizzlies before finally getting killed by a Grizzly. That's fucking interesting. (laughs) Um, But I did really enjoy investigating it after the fact, and I watched a few YouTube videos where people try to explain why the movie is so weird and why it was filmed the way it was filmed. And I realized just before that I could be one of those dickheads giving my stupid opinion in a YouTube video. (laughs) Because I came up with my theory, and it's pretty good and it's probably better than all of their stupid theories <laughs> <laughs> so anyway i give grizzly man a seven out of ten now right. Sh- shannon gave up on it 30 minutes in because oh. it was making her feel uncomfortable 
Okay. And I think she's actually the sane one in our relationship because she said, this is weird and went on with her life. Whereas I have spent almost every waking minute of the last three days thinking about this movie (laughs) and trying to come up with a theory on why it was so weird. (laughs) It just didn't make sense to me. I just don't get why he filmed those people the way Mm. he filmed them and why he was directing them to- Act in a certain way, yeah, so I no, had to figure I, it out. I get that. If I, yeah, when I don't understand something, it it upsets me that I don't understand it, and why don't I understand it? So I I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm not saying for sure that he was trying to film it as an homage to Timothy and in the same way, but now that there's a theory out there that I've come up with and that I've, you know, it, now you can it, I can at least it makes sense to me now, even if I'm wrong. <laughs> at least it makes sense. Yeah. Well, I can, I can sleep now. I'll give a quick rating. I'll give it a 5 out of 10 because you don't get to see him get mauled to death by the bear. Oh. <laughs> okay. Just in case well, anyone was sticking around for that, they don't show it. She's got the footage, but yeah. she, won't, she won't show anyone. So, what it's actually not footage, it's just audio because yeah. um, oh. the, he hadn't set up the camera yet, but th- there's audio apparently of yeah. I his think that'd be worse. Six- I think just audio would be worse than... Uh, full no footage. way! What are you talking about? Yeah, There's something, something about just audio about. that does. Yeah, because you can't see what's happening. Your your imagination is filling yeah, in that's the right. gaps. Your imagination's yeah. going wild, and you can imagine worse than you could ever actually say. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you don't get to even hear that. So you know, save yourself the pie. <laughs> the pay. Actually, the the point that Shannon like got up out of the chair and walked away was when. Werner Herzog was listening to the death tape. So, he's listening to the audio of it. Mm. Yeah. And you can't hear it, but he can hear it. And the woman who owns the footage, Jewel Pavlak, she's, like, watching him listen to it. Uh But she's never listened to it in her life, and she doesn't want to listen to it. And Werner Herzog takes off his his headphones, and he says, you must never listen to this. And she's like, I don't (laughs) want to listen to it. And then he hands her- He hands her a cassette case- because it was, like, filmed with a handheld, right? Yeah. He hands her a cassette case and says, you must destroy this. Because if you have it in your house, it's going to be, like, the white elephant or something like that. He's like, you have to you have to destroy this. Mm. But he hands her a video case, like a cassette tape t- yeah. case, with no video cassette in it. <laughs> it's, it's clear that it's got no thing in it So she's like listening to him She looks at the case She like twists it around in her hand Like what the fuck is this And then looks back at him And just goes along with it Like it's a prop in a movie <laughs> Shannon, was, Shannon was like There's no video in there And I was like Yeah I know Why isn't there a video in there And she was like This is too weird for me <laughs> It was fucking bizarre That's uh, very, very strange Um yeah, all right. So, anyway, also, fun fact is that Werner Herzog made a movie called Wings of Hope about Juliana Kopka, who was the woman who fell out of that plane and survived, who I talked about previously, and I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And he he made that documentary because he was um, going to get on that flight, but he cancelled his ticket very late oh, wow. before he got on. So, he, he was almost on that flight. Mm. All right. That's my segment. Go and watch Grizzly Man if you <laughs> if you want to try to validate my theory for me. I'd be very interested if somebody yeah. agrees with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who's up next? I'll go next. All right, bro. Do it. I'm sure you guys have heard a little scuffle that kicked off 80 years ago called uh, World War II. Uh, now, yeah. yeah, I'm not, I'm not here to talk about that today. 
But amongst all that, the, the tragedy of the world's largest shit show, there are a few tales of triumph, you know? Triumph in the face of overwhelming odds. <laughs> One mm-hmm. such tale is that of a group of prisoners who, through sheer cunning, ingenuity, and camaraderie, managed to escape their captors after tunneling out of their POW camp. Oh, great escapes. Mm, yes. We did an escape episode. Brad's coming back with a new escape story. Yes, I am talking about the great escape of Papago. Yeah. I love it. Nice. <laughs> the great escape of Papago, where 25 German soldiers managed to tunnel out of their POW camp in the Arizona desert and make a break for freedom. <laughs> what? Hang on. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Wildcard! Wildcard, bitches! That is the opposite of what we want to hear about, Brad. <laughs> Get bamboozled. Camp Papago was located near Phoenix, Arizona. It was initially set up as a camp for Italian prisoners of war, but when the war started to wind down and the Reich started taking L after L, the filthy Italians were shipped out <laughs> and it became the home of German POWs. More specifically, the Kriegsmarine or the German Navy. Um, <laughs> at its peak, Camp Papago held 3,100 of Germany's finest Aryan seamen, with the highest-ranking officer at the camp <laughs> being Captain Jürgen Wattenberg. How do you make an Aryan baby? <laughs> with a shitload of Aryan semen. Um, <laughs> okay, so the, high- <laughs> the highest-ranking officer in the camp was Captain Jürgen Wattenberg. He was captain of the infamous U-162. Jürgen Wattenberg had been on three war patrols. Jürgen Wattenberg. Howenberg. <laughs> Wendenberg. He'd been on three war patrols and sunk 14 ships before the British Navy sunk his submarine. Wattenberg oh. was often... He sunk my right. battleship. Submarine is already sunk. Yeah, well... Well, it, it was <laughs> it, no really longer operate. in control of the sink, so I guess it's different. Okay. Um, yeah. Permanently sunk it. Wattenberg was often referred to as a super-Nazi for his devout and steadfast <laughs> belief in the cause, as well as his penchant for causing trouble at every camp he stayed at. Uh, eventually, the Brits got sick of his bullshit and sent him to rot in the Arizona desert. Uh, <laughs> I doubt we'll ever hear from that schnitzel-sucking crowd anytime soon. They probably chuckled to themselves. <laughs> like his love for the Fuhrer, Wattenberg's spirit couldn't be broken, and upon arriving at Camp Papago, he was placed in the officer's camp. <laughs> Before his arrival, the head of the military police at Papago, Captain Cecil Parshall, noted the camp had a blind spot, but no one seemed to care at all. They were in the middle of the desert, and the ground was too hard for anyone to dig into. Why bother fixing it? Uh, well, Nazis are... Germans are smart people, Brad. They're quite... Uh, they're known for their ingenuity and That's their right. vicious hatred of Jews. <laughs> Very industrious. Which is irrelevant to this part, but... Mm. Well, yeah. <laughs> Wattenberg noticed that blind spot almost immediately, so the crafty kraut got to work. He recruited all of his fellow officers and hatched a scheme to tunnel out of the camp and escape into the desert. The men worked in groups of three. They would rotate 90-minute shifts during the night. One man would dig with a pick and a coal shovel. The second would gather dirt with a bucket, and the third would pull the dirt out of the shaft and keep watch. The remaining men would help disperse the dirt at a later time. Initially, the sneaky schnitzels, as I have dubbed them, would, <laughs> would flush the dirt down the toilet, but this too is, soon became problematic. Wattenberg, spurred on by his amazing Aryan genes, which are much better than Jewish genes, came up with a brilliant <laughs> idea <laughs> to ask if they could build a volleyball court. 
The Americans, being the soft-skulled pig dogs they were, provided the prisoners <laughs> with two additional shovels and two rakes. More importantly, they provided the Germans with a place to dump dirt. Genius. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After months of careful digging, the sneaky schnitzels uh, <laughs> completed their tunnel on the 20th of December. The Führer's finest celebrated, but they knew if they took off through the hole right now, like a spook, <laughs> they'd surely be hunted down. <laughs> Wattenberg and his fellow officers set their plan into motion on the 23rd of December, 1944. (laughs) Just after 9pm, he and 24 other captives were able to escape the camp without drawing the attention of the guards. It wouldn't be until 7pm the following day before the Americans noticed the missing men. Wow. Uh, some of the sneaky schnitzels had constructed a makeshift raft <laughs> and were hoping to sail it down the nearby Salt River and head to Mexico. Unfortunately for those Aryan princes, the Salt River was dry and they were forced to follow it on foot. 22 of the 25 men were caught by the 8th of January, with one man making it within 10 miles of the Mexican border, a journey oh. of about 130 miles on foot there. Good lord. Yeah. Wow. Eat shit, Nazis. <laughs> The remaining holdouts were Jürgen Wattenberg, Walter Kuzer, and Johann Kremer. All three uh, had headed north instead of south and were camped out in a nearby cave. On occasion, the men would head into town for supplies. Johann Kremer also had huge brass Aryan balls and would intercept the men who were out on work parties and switch places with them, spending nights back in the camp. Oh, my God. Yeah. Here he was able to gather information on the situation. Kremer's ruse was discovered on the 22nd of January when a surprise inspection caught him out. Uh, Kremer courageously sold out Walter Kozer, who was captured the following day. (laughs) This left Jürgen Wattenberg as the sole man on the run. Trapped in the cave with no information or supplies, Wattenberg headed into town on the 27th of January and was arrested the next morning after wandering around asking for directions in a very strong German accent. (laughs) Uh, All 25 escapees were recaptured after just over a month on the run. As punishment, each man was put on a bread and water diet equal for the amount of days he evaded capture. Uh, And so the Nazi spirit triumphed in the midst of the Reich's collapse, a lesson I think we could all learn from. Brad, you said uh, before we started recording, you said to me that you were, uh, your Brad's power rankings for this episode was maybe going to have to be cut out. Mm-hmm. And after that little display there, I'm pretty sure it is going to have to be. So <laughs> maybe we just won't bother. To, we need like a beep button. I think he said, you know, <laughs> I think he said something that we definitely need a beep button. <laughs> and that it will drive our audience nuts if you beat it out as well. Uh, I want to know what it was. Look, so you got to do it, luckily. You got to fucking beat that out. That was it. Started a wild card episode, and I thought as soon as I started talking about the Great Escape, you guys would be all over the Great Escape of Starlight yeah, Luft Three. Excited, but mm-hmm. uh, no, no, no. This was the one where the the Nazis triumphed over the Americans. Well, wow. <laughs> it seemed like they just took advantage of the Americans' good nature because the Americans were like. Uh, yeah, you can build a volleyball court. Uh, we're not really going to patrol you. <laughs> if you leave, it's not like we'll notice for a day and a half. Like, <laughs> we're in the middle of well, a desert. Like, who cares? That story sucked, Brad, and I'm really upset that I know about that now. So, But I'm glad they got recaptured in the end. That's good. But And to be fair, 
pre like prior to the Nazi breakout, there had been the infamous Great Escape from Starlog Luft Three, uh, where seventy three oh. Allied POWs escaped, seventy were captured, three evaded capture, and then you know nice. Hitler, being the rational man that he is, had a very similar um, <laughs> punishment for all of those guys. So you know he shot fifty of them and spared twenty of them. So <laughs> um, yeah, it was, like, it was a compromise. He wanted to kill all seventy. But he, oh, yeah. you know, he showed some restraint and, um, and a display of restraint. Yeah, yeah. so he's a very diplomatic man, Hitler, and very Christ. rational response. <laughs> Fuck yeah. yeah! The Americans are like, you know what? We're so annoyed. We're just uh, we'll still feed you, but just not stuff you want to eat. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't jerks. get the good food. <laughs> so yeah, Jürgen Wattenberg was like, ah, no, <laughs> bread and water Foiled for the again. next thirty days. Uh, yeah. Brot und Wasser. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, it was a, a Deutsch. I, I thought that was interesting, but um, yeah, I feel sorry for the guy who who made it to within ten miles of the Mexican border because I don't feel sorry for him. No, no, he was no. a fucking Nazi. I feel sorry for him because <laughs> he ran his ass all the way down there, right? But Jürgen Wattenberg, the mastermind of this whole thing, sat in a cave like a couple of k's away from the camp. And we okay, go into the town and get supplies and shit while old mate's yeah, making a right. dash for the border. <laughs> Because he's a because he's a coward like all Nazis. Yeah, I know. Obviously, I'm not a fan of Nazis, but this was well. <laughs> oh. Some of the things you said, so I don't know. <laughs> satire, it's satire. Come on. No, I think all I right. think it's fair to say that most of the German soldiers who were fighting um, were just normal oh, sort no. of dudes. Wattenberg was through and through fucking Nazi. Like he. Loved oh the yeah, cars. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you said him, but you know yeah. the, the other ones. The officers just like- believed in the cause, but the enlisted. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, this, I don't, I don't know this was twenty five. This is twenty five. What? Uh, uh, sorry. Um, officers. They all. They were all shit. Yeah. Shit people. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. They probably should have been shot, but you know, I just thought it was mm. funny. Well, America. you said they made it. He, that guy made it ten miles from the Mexico border. It's still yeah. a fucking long way to go to Argentina to yeah. hang out with Hitler. So. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking he was guessing he would get there, and they'd be like, "Yes, he's in your. We will uh, help you out or something like that." I don't know, but. How much are you expecting Locker to cut out of this episode, Brad? Well, cut. <laughs> well, we're going to be loose. This uh, is the time to do it. Uh, well, just, just wait for the BPR. <laughs> I actually can't wait. Good right, God. Locker, you want to? You want to get this? <laughs> All right, I'll. Uh, I was going to say I'll clean this up a bit, but. This isn't going to be as offensive, but it's going to be much, much more disgusting. Uh, <laughs> yes. Come on. Have you ever heard someone say, man, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm Play sure you have. Play it. Play it. Bitches! Yeah! <laughs> I'm sure you have. And this motherfucker I'm about to talk about might just be where that expression came from. Tarare was a French man born in 1772 I use the word man loosely for two reasons One, he was French And two, I'm not quite sure he was actually human Tarare was a creature born to consume He had a compulsive and unending (laughs) desire to eat We now have a name for this, polyphagia but at the time, it was thought that Terrare was probably some kind of demon sent from hell to devour <laughs> mankind. <laughs> now, this probably uh. sounds like hyperbole, but I can assure you it is not. 
As a child, Tarare would eat anything and everything put in front of him and never felt full. As he got older, his appetite and the lengths he would go to to eat only grew. By the time he reached his <laughs> teens, he was eating his own body weight in beef every day. What? No. Yeah. That can't be true. Yeah. His parents- How can he digest it? How can he digest it? It's this- it's, Don't worry, I'm getting there. Is I, this like a serial killer, luckily? I got they, a whole- Like, they do- uh, They get, like, progressively more and more sick as they get older. It's like, like little um, frogs and stuff, and then it goes to mammals and then people. <laughs> we'll say. His parents were French peasants. They couldn't sustain this kind of consumption. So at age 14, they kicked him out of home. Left to roam the streets, Terare would beg and steal to try and sate his own monstrous appetite. But he was forever hungry. He could be found in the alleyways behind butchers, fighting dogs for scraps of meat. We've all been there. Naturally, people were fascinated with this beast who could and would seemingly eat anything. They started paying him money to eat buckets full of apples, rocks, corks, and even live animals like rats and birds, all of which he devoured ravenously. Say French or Chinese. (laughs) This actually suited Tarare. He was making money and people were giving him quote-unquote food. So he decided to make this his full-time gig. He moved to Paris and started working as a street performer, eating anything the crowd gave him for a few coins. Now, you're probably picturing Terare as some grotesque monster, and he definitely was, but not in the way you expect. Despite eating constantly, Terare was not some gelatinous blob. He actually only weighed 45 kilos. What? Yeah. That's fucking tiny. That's certainly not to say he looked normal. He was said to have an abnormally wide mouth, stretching from ear to ear, with lips so thin they were basically non-existent. The skin all over his body was wrinkly and saggy. He could stretch his cheeks out so much that he could fit a full dozen eggs in his mouth. And the skin on his abdomen could be wrapped fully around him like a blanket. What? When he ate, his stomach would inflate like a balloon. He was constantly sweating. It was said his body was hot to the touch. And when he ate, a visible vapor would rise from his skin. It was said that the stink that emanated from him was, quote, to such a degree that he could not be endured within the distance of 20 paces. And it only got worse when he ate. That's a quote from 18th century France where the streets are fucking toilets, so you know he must have smelt bad. <laughs> oh, God. I'm all creeped out by this skin he can wrap around his oh, body. Oh, yeah, That's fucking... Ah, oh, picture it. Big white mouth. I just Googled him. This, like a fucking frog. He's like, I just Googled him. These drawings are not... Yeah, they're not good, are they? Gonna make it easy to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> One day, while performing his act, Terare finally ate the wrong thing and suffered a severe intestinal obstruction. The crowd dragged him to a nearby hospital where he was treated with the most powerful laxatives available at the time. I can't even begin to imagine how horrific the result of that must have been, this living bag of garbage being violently emptied. The only description I was able to find of the scene was fetid beyond all conception. 
<laughs> he made a full recovery and was booted out of the hospital after trying to eat his surgeon's watch. <laughs> what an asshole! Yeah, I know, right? The, uh, just the, saved you. The surgeon said if he ate the watch, he would cut him open to get it back. <laughs> Deciding that his sideshow was too dangerous, Terare enlisted with the French Revolutionary Army. The guy who just tried to eat a watch was worried about <laughs> eating random right. stuff on the street. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you watch, but I'm not going back on the streets. <laughs> oh, no. Military rations, of course, were not enough for him. He no would work for other soldiers in exchange for their rations and scavenge whatever he could from piles of garbage. Eventually, he was admitted to a military hospital with a case of extreme exhaustion from just not getting enough food. In the hospital, Terare was given quadruple rations, but as I'm sure you can guess, this still left him hungry. He would sneak out of the hospital, devouring garbage and any food scraps he could find. He would break into the apothecary and eat the poultices. He would find other patients and drink the blood drained from their wounds. He even got caught a couple of times in the mortuary, chomping on the cadavers. Uh. (laughs) So basically, he's doing the same thing he was doing on the street, but now he's not getting paid for it. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) What a fucking fool. Nobody could understand Terare's appetite. What could cause such insatiable hunger that he would go to such lengths to eat literally anything he could get his hands on? They were going to try and find out. The army ordered Terare to stay at the hospital so they could conduct experiments on him. They wanted to see if there was a limit to how much or what he would eat. He was let into a room where a meal for 15 people had been prepared. Terare ate it all. They gave him a live cat. Terare ripped it in half, drank its blood, then ate everything except the skeleton. He later coughed up a hairball. This is funny, but I'm not laughing. This is real. This is real. I'm not going to laugh at that. They repeated this with other animals. Snakes, lizards, puppies. Terare ate them all. Why? He was given a live eel. He crushed its skull with his teeth, then swallowed the whole thing without chewing. Ugh. The military. Uh, welcome, well, thanks for that. Um, I think we'll move on to that's <laughs> The military naturally wanted to weaponize him. They presented Terare with a wooden box with documents inside. Their intention was to use him as a courier. He would swallow the box, travel across enemy lines, then shit the box out, still intact, when he got to his destination. <laughs> Terare swallowed the box immediately and was given a wheelbarrow full of raw bull organs as a reward. Which he also <laughs> ate immediately. Oh, what the Imagine fuck? that. Imagine being like the army goes, all right, you do this for us and we're going to give you a wheelbarrow full of bull lungs and, and being happy with that. You know? <laughs> oh. Now, this didn't work out in the end. The storage and passage of the documents was fine, but the fact that Terare was disguised as a German peasant and couldn't speak German soon threw a spanner in the works. When captured by the <laughs> Prussian authorities, he spilled the beans almost immediately, and as a result, was severely beaten and released instead of executed. 
Terraria went back to the military hospital and begged the doctors to cure him. He would try anything. He just needed this never-ending hunger to stop. Opium, vinegar, tobacco, soft-boiled eggs. Nothing the doctors tried worked. Terare got up to his old tricks again, sneaking out of his room to eat garbage and trying to eat the bodies in the mortuary. Eventually, he was kicked out of the hospital after a baby went missing from a nearby room. No. No. Nobody knows what happened to to Terare next. But four years later, he presented to another hospital, saying he had swallowed a golden fork, which was making him sick. What he actually had was advanced tuberculosis, and he died very shortly after at the ripe old age of 26. Oh, my God. The doctors, of course, really fucking curious about what made this monster tick, performed an autopsy on the body. When they opened Terare's mouth, they could see down his abnormally wide gullet directly into his stomach. They sliced him open and found that his stomach and intestines took up around 90% of his abdomen. His heart and lungs squashed up the top of his chest like a pregnant woman. And the rest of his body cavity was filled with pus. They never found the golden fork. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) I want to see a photo of this guy. I mean, he was... He died in 1798, so there's no photos, but, yeah, but there's drawings. Yeah, depictions, right? Yeah, he's not a good-looking guy. Oh, I really want to... Oh, that is... Oh, that's fucked up. That's so disturbing. How, do, how much do you think... Look, it's been 200 oh. and something years, 220 years Yeah, since he died. How much do you think this story has been, um, you know... Like, oh. I'm sure some of the stuff from before... Embellished over the years. Before when he was in the hospital has been, yeah, exaggerated. But, I mean, in the hospital, they were conducting, quote-unquote, scientific experiments. I mean, it was documented. So, yeah. uh, that you know, I think that part's got to be real. Even if it's been embellished, like, there'd be documents showing that he was paid in a wheelbarrow of bull organs. Like... Yeah. <laughs> Like, even if that's the extent of it, it's still fucking bad. <laughs> yeah, it's still fucked up. Like, that's yeah, they never they, they never proved that he ate the baby, but, um, you know, baby goes missing, guy who'll eat anything is in a nearby room, and they never found it. So, you know, put two and two together. Didn't crawl out of there, did it? Um, but if, <laughs> if, like you said, 20 ridiculous things that I just can't believe. If any one of them is true, it's an amazing story. Like, mm. it's just so much weird, gross, yeah. crazy stuff in there. Yeah. it's um, It's been postulated since that he probably had hypothyroidism, like a really advanced case of hypothyroidism, which can cause polyphagia. Hyperthyroidism. Hyperthyroidism. Yeah, that can cause polyphagia. Because polyphagia isn't a condition on its own. It's a symptom of other conditions, um, often diabetes. Um, diabetes. I think this guy was well beyond diabetes. <laughs> You're eating fucking cats and dogs. You are beyond anything. You are off the cuff. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that is. Fuck me. All right. Well, I'm sufficiently disturbed, Lachlan. Good job. You shouldn't let me do this. You shouldn't give me. Uh, you shouldn't give me such a clean slate to just do anything with. <laughs> no, like, I, I'm interested. I'm going to go look it up. But God, that's fucking disgusting. At the same time, mm-hmm. you're if right. We'll have semi wild card from now on, where we just put some boundaries around. <laughs> no boundaries. It's not wild then. <laughs> like born in captivity card. 
Um, <laughs> oh shit. Uh, okay. Anyway, let's uh, let's see what Brad has in store for us with his fucking barricades. <laughs> Alright guys, right, I'm I just want to lead off with a disclaimer here. Oh, good if God. You're easily offended. Now's, now's the time. Like, skip forward five to ten minutes. <laughs> They've turned off by now. Yeah, bro. you'll be fine. <laughs> so, it's probably, I mean, in all likelihood, it's been cut out, so they won't even hear this. Yeah, well. Uh, well, let's just get right into it then. So, oh, uh, this week's power rankings, uh, obviously I was looking into the Germans, so um, top five concentration camps. Oh, no. No, Brad. No. Brad. Brad. Yes. Brad. No. You can't you yes. can't do this. <laughs> People need to know. It's educational purposes. I actually think this is the one time where we're not gonna troll Brad and actually ask him sincerely, is five the best concentration gap or the worst? <laughs> now when I say top five, I mean top five like Worst, as in. So you mean from the perspective of the Nazis, like number one yes. was their best concentration camp. Yeah, it would but be their best. Concentration as a prisoner camp, of obviously. war, that was the worst. Yes, correct. That was. Yes. So I mean, I, I could probably guess what number one is, but <laughs> hmm. who knows? It might be a Wild surprise. Card. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, so let's uh, let's just get into this. Uh, um, let's not. N- number five, Chelmno concentration camp. A veteran in the world of concentration camps, this bad boy was one of the longest serving, lasting almost five years. In their 1137 days of running strong, they were able to dispatch 152,000 poor oh souls. Oh, my God. Oh, fucking hell. For a due per day average of 133.7. No, I think we're going to have to stop this. I did not see that coming. Oh, stop. Stop. You can't. I think. You can't. In all seriousness, I think we're going to have to stop this one here. This is is too (laughs) much. I haven't even finished. I haven't got to five. You know, you're going to be wondering. Oh, no. Mm, no, I'm gonna. Okay, we, we can. You can get through it, but I, I think we seriously need to take this out. Okay, this is not good. number four, Serbia concentration camp. This the saying goes: "Get busy living or get busy dying." Oh, Clearly, something was lost in translation at Serbia because they got busy killing, posting a due per day average of three hundred twenty nine point eight. Number three. Oh, good God. Belzec concentration camp. Bell who, you might be saying. And you're right. <laughs> Oft overlooked, this camp of Satan's worst nightmares was the end of the line for 435,000 people. Holy Pulling shit. a due per day average of 924.5. Oy vey. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is just night. <laughs> Number two. You can't say that. It's dark. I know it's dark, but you got to laugh to hear. Um, number two, Treblinka. This silent achiever might not be the top of our list, but it has an astonishing due per day average of 1621.6. Oh, my fucking God. It was only operational for 555 days, but it made the most of every second, oh. escorting approximately 900,000 people off this mortal coil. Fucking hell. What a rookie season. Um and number one, Bradley, Jesus. we all knew it was coming. When you picture de- death, misery, and just the embodiment of hell on earth, 
Auschwitz is what comes to mind. With an impressive due per day average of 602.8, it might not be the top of the list, but it gets bonus points for having Mad Dog Mengele hanging about (laughs) trying to stitch twins together and shit. Zero out of ten would not stay again. (laughs) So that is the top five or top worst, the worst concentration camps uh, from World War Two. And obviously it goes without saying Nazis suck. So that last five minutes contained all the worst things you have said in your entire life. I agree. Writing it up did not feel good. But I did kind of laugh at it as well. It's very black humour. Wow. Yeah. You're not, I mean, you like, can, it's so dark, it's pitch black. You could do that as a sincere top five and talk about how terrible it was, which you kind of did. But then you just also decided to throw in jerks, which is yeah. like, you can't have a both. Hey, don't you, don't you tell me how to cope, all right? Keep, keep it lighthearted. Everyone grieves <laughs> yeah, exactly. differently, Morgan. If I, did, if I wasn't laughing right now, I'd be crying. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, should I bother with the ending? I mean, no one's still listening. But if All right, luckily, let's 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 finish on a on a nice note, on a high note. I did give you a couple of extra sounders there that I didn't get to uh-huh. in my story, so we might finish with one of them, which was probably my favorite part of the movie, which is where Timothy Treadwell is going on a rant about how much he hates the Park Service. I will continue to do this. I will fight them. I will be an American dissident if I need be. There's a patriotic time going on right now, but as far as this fucking government's concerned, fuck you, motherfucking Park Service. Now Treadwell crosses a line with the Park Service, which we will not cross. He attacks the individuals with whom he worked for 13 years. I beat your fucking asses. I protected the animals. I did. Fuck you. Animals rule. Timothy conquered. Fuck you, Park Service. I mean, I can I can get behind that. Fuck any branch of government, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess see, see how Herzog roasted him in the middle yeah, of his rant. Was... Like, just was like, <laughs> Timothy's a gun. <laughs> Continue. And just, and just like Bradley, he was talking about how Timothy went too far. <laughs> and on that note, thank you everyone for listening. <laughs> I don't think probably listen to any episodes after this, but uh, thanks for staying with us as long as you have. Uh, if you would, you're gonna like laugh to, to heal. If you'd like to support our inevitable uh, legal defense that we're going to have to mount after this episode comes out, you can head over to paypal.me slash person and uh, donate a few dollars to us there. If you don't want to do that, uh, the next best way you can support us is to jump on iTunes, rate and review us. That gets us in front of more people, which gets more people rating and reviewing us, which gets us in front of more people. You see how this is like a cyclical thing? It's exponential growth is what that is Uh, share these episodes with your friends you can follow us on uh, Facebook Twitter Instagram we're on Reddit we've got a website we've got email we're fucking we are right up there in the 21st century Um, and to get our episodes as soon as they come out every Sunday subscribe to us on SoundCloud Spotify iTunes anywhere you get your podcasts and uh, again thank you for listening I'm just saying. They don't even know. They, they don't know I'm not Jewish. Next episode, you introduce me and you say, Ed Brad, who is Jewish, and then we're covered. Yeah, you're going to convert between now and then. Yeah.
I'll become one of the chosen. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs>